This episode is brought to you by Debt Experts Don't Fret About Debt. If you're struggling with debt and you would like a free chat with an impartial advisor to discuss your options or to see how you can lower your monthly repayments towards debt, then visit don'tfretaboutdebt.net forward slash blethered. You can also listen to my episode with Don't Fret About Debt Senior Debt Advisor Tom Gallagher, where we discuss taking back control of your debt and the various solutions available. Don't Fret About Debt offer all statutory debt solutions in Scotland helping you to make an informed choice. So take the first step to dealing with your debt today. Free advice is also available from the Money Advice Service. I'll just get our next guest out straight away. Someday that I'm sure you all know. Please give a very, very warm welcome as soon as that door opens. Please welcome Karen Dunbar. percent of it that I didn't understand. That's the only bits that I didn't agree with. I was like, I don't know what he's talking about, but I'm sure if I did, I would agree. How are you doing? You all right? Yes. Lovely. Hello. You're taking, me, me things, You're taking all the pressure off me. This is brilliant. Um, first of all, this would be easier to say if it was just in a studio or whatever, because I'd be like, there'd be, wouldn't it be like however many eyes are here, but this is the biggest, biggest buzz for me ever since probably 2000. Behave. I hate you. Calm it. Since about 2000, you're probably in my house on my TV four times a week. Right. I know that sounds a wee bit creepy, but it is no. the truth. No. I probably know your lines better than you do, because like, you're not going to keep watching yourself and chewing the fat, are you? But No, but I do, I've got a vague memory of some of the things that I said, so I wouldn't, I don't go head to head with me on it. Um, I'd beat you. <laughs> um, right, I want to start with something that you wrote in 1982. How do oh, I know that? You'll ask. You know what I'm going to say. Uh, it was my will. <laughs> <laughs> you, you wrote, right, in 1982 in your diary, you wrote, Dear world, I swear that I will one day be on TV. This is a solemn oath. Signed, Karen Deborah Dunbar. You even get, <laughs> I get a middle name and everything. Aye, I know. It was How prophetic is that? Uh, it sounds dead wanky. I'm going to swear and say things, so wanky fuck cunt. There you go. <laughs> Put it out there. Some folk like that. Disgusting. I'm away. <laughs> I thought we were in for some Sorry, Father, if you're in here. <laughs> um, uh, but it sounds a bit arty-farty and everything, but I just I knew that I was going to mm-hmm. do that, and I didn't know how. Most of the stuff, I mean, Darren describes where he comes from, and it's very similar backgrounds as myself. So the idea how I would ever be on telly doing anything other than being on Crime Watch. Um, <laughs> Are they undateables? Was that? Are they undateables? No, I sorry. Know. What are you saying? I'm, I'm only joking. I've disco deafness, I'm like, that. that's my nice, son. <laughs> no, that's not what say. What did you say? I said the undateables, you could be the on that as well. Aye. Fuck's sake, I wish I hadn't heard you. I should have just said that. <laughs> <laughs> the undateables? Give me a minute for I'm that. Only joking, I'm a only human joking. being, do you know what I mean? <laughs> It's like, I just, I see you in the telly, I didn't understand you had feelings snubbed, the undateables. <laughs> right, I have to just jump... everybody. I have to jump straight into this, right, and I'm sorry to keep bring up another painful memory, but when, and we'll, I want to hear one for Darren as well, but I, you would have heard me reading out some of the things that people have said. Um, I asked you for the funniest or the harshest. Can you explain why that would have been about the karaoke and what then the, what I, it said. Um, so when Dan, when you were talking about, um, and I don't know, if, I don't think you did say Dan about any criticism you had. I don't, I do not read reviews in myself. I can't cope with it. I actually can't. And I know a lot of you were devastated with your idea. Me as like a strong, brave woman that everything just bounces off her back. Well, let's fucking know that at all. I'll, I, I tried to read them at the, at the start. I can't take. I can't take that criticism. And I can't take the praise either. Mm. God love me. I can't cope with it. Something's like that. <laughs> I mean, when you say undateables, I'm fucking no get out of that. Wait to say, I'll be, that'll be echoing through the next 45 I'm minutes. Only keep coming Fuck. back. It'll take me a long time and a quite a fucking lot in therapy to process that. <laughs> Am I going to I mean, get I like an open letter? I it's just been funny, but it t- just touched into back into 1984 when that. <laughs> 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 but, so, but the one bit of criticism that I've I was uh, like, 
I, I don't know if it's almost spurred me on to be successful, was when I started hosting karaoke and I was only 19, so that was 1990. Um, uh, somebody had wrote in the back of the karaoke, one of the karaoke sheets, the fat dog that sings is shite. So uh, that, that, was my, no, that was my first, but I was going to get Horrible. it in a T-shirt. Do you know, especially when I was working in New York and everything, I'm, I'm the fucking fat shite dog singing here. Um, but I, so you've got to, I know, you've got to try and sort of hold on to the things and build on them, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't cope with it. So I just stopped reading them. Occasionally I'll have a flick through it and I see something and I'm like, I can't cope. Aye. I can't cope. I can't cope, Jean. See, to go back to what you wrote, you're born on April Fool's Day, which Aye. is maybe like a wee bit of a, a wee Norman. Born in Glasgow, you were adopted. I was. What I, was so? Were you like? Fuck, how long he's got? Uh, <laughs> I, but I, I mean, I was adopted my granny and grandpa. Right. So I was brought up thinking that they were my mum and dad for about the first ten years of my life, um, which is interesting if you might go into the psychology or that. Once you find out that these folk, because it was, I thought there was my mum, my dad, and my two sisters, and I was the youngest. But what the setup was was my granny, my grandpa, my natural mother, and my natural auntie, right, her sister. So when you see that, you know, one day you're like, this is who these four folk are. And then the next day it's like, ah, no, they're no. That's quite a lot mm-hmm. to actually process in primary six. Because mm. I've seen, fuck, I mean, <laughs> I, I've seen it like you were desperate to, you've said you were desperate to fit in and connect and feeling out of place. Did that kind of stem for that? Like feeling out of place? Because that is the most instinctive, natural thing is who your parents are and your family. I mean, that's like distorted and turned upside down and that must really skew things I, I, think, I think that's part of it Sean again without getting too fucking deep no because I wouldn't open up but because you would go away for here and be like ah, I quite enjoyed that when she did the impersonation of Shirley Bassey and I'll be lying in my bed like ah, I can't believe I've told all they folk all that stuff <laughs> <laughs> like does anybody know the film Beaches You've seen the film Beaches, see that bit when Bette Midler's watching herself being interviewed and she's watching herself and she's like, ah, don't say it, don't say it. And I want to tell her, she's like, ah, Cece is a very passionate woman, she's a very deep woman. She's like, ah, ah fuck, I've said it. <laughs> and is, so I, I'm a, the equivalent, I've done my hair like her as well tonight, Bette Midler. But anyway, what was the question? I did what, <laughs> I'm good with that. Um, but, but was that about trying to fit in? Partly. I mean, I couldn't consciously say, at, you know, at the age of nine, whatever I was when I found out, saying, all oh, right, I don't fit in now, I'm going to try and fit in. I'd been trying to do that for nine years. Um, so it wasn't just finding out that information. I think that was a lot to do with some of the stuff that Dan touched on there, was the sort of demographic that I'd grew up in, the poverty that I'd grew up in. The big message in our house was everything would be all right if we had mere money. I mean, that was just a driving thing. And I'm not saying that my mother was sitting me down at the age of five and saying everything would be all right, but that was the message that I was picking up. So the thing that I thought was going to fix whatever was wrong was money. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there was a first addiction that I had, strange enough to say it is, it would be money. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about like trying to get 10 pence and things like that as a win because I thought if I had enough of it, that that would make everything all right in the house. Did you say, oh, don't fucking pity me on that? But that's the, that's the, so that's the, that's the feeling underneath yeah. that. So that feeling of no fitting in was coming across in every area. We will circle I back. I went to too far, too deep, no, too soon. No, no, so no, no, no. Say I smell shite. Bring us back to, <laughs> for, you know, happy, happy things. <laughs> right. You want me to Stop. say it? But I just said it there. Right. Is this real? Is this a dream? What he's all doing in my house? Oh, got a bit fear now. Um, we will circle back to this. There's a reason I'm asking this, but how important are Lee and Sarah to you, amongst others? To who in the back? Lee and Sarah. Lee and Sarah, my God, my oldest pals. Yeah. How'd you? Know I do my research, you know. Scared. Uh, it's, it's my two old school pals. So uh, they're, uh, it's funny because, in one way, if you know that way that you've had pals, I mean, Lee was pals with for primary four, so that's about nearly 45 years. Um, Sarah I met at secondary school, so we were 14, so it's that 35 year. And it is, it feels like I've got a total attachment to them, no, because we're in touch with each other all the time, but there's something about somebody that's known you for that long and, you know, knowing, I mean, Lee just watches stuff that I'm dead with kind of amusement like that. Where are you working? New York. That's mental, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's, so it's, it's dead grounding for me. Aye. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll circle back to that and why that's important and people that knew you before you changed their kind of life and on. Mm. But I want to talk about you, well, starting off working in the karaoke bar. Now, some people go to like college or acting classes or those kind of things, but that's, is that, that's where you cut your teeth because you, must, you have to deal with people, develop your partner and everything. Aye, right? I've got three O grades and did fucking don't know how I managed to get them either, but uh, <laughs> English, music and art, and I just managed to scrape by English. So I left the school when I was 16 thinking, I did think, I had that thing that you've said there in the diary, I'm like, ah, I'm going to be in the telly. I had no idea how I was going to do that, I just felt what I was going to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, fuck, what was the question? Was there a question? <laughs> so basically, that, was that you cutting your teeth? Was that your preparation I, for acting so in comedy? I'd, I'd, I have no theatrical training at all. I've mm-hmm. got nothing other than... But I was working five nights a week in pubs and clubs. I was hosting things. I mean, the first time I hosted a karaoke, I stood with, I stood with the mic and I was like, ah, Hello, this is karaoke. Jim's going to sing. Here's Jim. I gave Jim the mic. I was a bandmaid, so I was working behind the bar at the same time as hosting the karaoke. So I'd hand the mic to Jim, I would go and fucking keep on. Like, ah, what can I get you? Pint of Guinness. Pour a pint of Guinness while Jim's singing fucking Delilah, right? <laughs> I'm watching my, my peripheral vision like that. And like, ah, excuse me a second. Everybody, that was Jim. Big hand for Jim. <laughs> uh, next, here's Jean with Walking After Midnight. <laughs> what was that a packet of dry salt, dry roasted peanuts? So that I was, I had been doing that for I was nineteen, mm-hmm. and when I, so when I started doing the telly stuff, I was twenty-seven. So I did eight years of being out about five nights a week. So I mean, not that I'm talking about being a genius or anything, but you know that ten thousand hours thing. So I'd spent an awful, awful lot of time uh, going for that for for saying hello, this is Jim. To shut up, you. Where do you think you are? And trying to be in control, because it was dog eat dog, I was working in the pubs. Aye, you um, came up to Glasgow, one of the first hosts in Delmonica's in Glasgow, this is between the ages of 19 and 27, now what I want to talk about specifically is hooking the phone up to the sound system in Sadie Frost, that's right up my street, that part. Aye, um, I think there was a couple of folk that had done things like that. I can't remember who they are off the top of my head. But, um, so, phone-in, so anyway, I had the idea. I mean, I had to go to Tandy. Do you remember Tandy, that show? Tandy that did the electrical stuff? No. Well, is anybody here over 50? No, it was like that. What? I'd rather be dead. I'd rather be dead than over 50. <laughs> so, there was a shop called Tandy. It was a bit like Maplin. Just no shops. There's everything just online now. <laughs> remember shops? <laughs> when we used to go in a place and there was things to buy. <laughs> well... <laughs> It was a hang like that. You could Google it. A shop. S-H-O-P. <laughs> uh, so I went into Tandy and says to him, how do I, can I hook my phone up to a sound system? And they gave me, it was two ninety nine for a sucker suction cup mic that went onto the back of a landline phone and plugged into the sound system. Sound system like that. Um, and, I, and I put it through into the into the bar and phoned folk. You would phone I phone shops. I did bad bad phone, things. You phoned McDonald's, but you phoned the the Betty Ford Clinic pretending to be Shirley Bassey. I did I Gotta talk me through that, please. Well, it had go I mean it was a busy night anyway and then when I started to because I used to it was a big kind of quiz night and that was busy and then I says to my boss, I'm on the phone, try and plug the phone. My boss was quite happy to let me do what I wanted because it was busy. And then it, fuck it, I mean, it got absolutely, you couldn't get in. It was great, it was. Because nobody was doing anything like that. And um, I says to him, I says, I want to phone Los Angeles and I want to phone tarot lines and all that kind of stuff as well. And he was like, ah, fucking phone whoever you like, please, like that. With the, <laughs> the till, phone whoever you like, phone MD. <laughs> so it was, it was Los Angeles, Betty Ford Clinic, that I phoned, and I was doing a Shirley Bassey impersonation. Does anybody know Shirley Bassey? No, she used to work in a shop. Shirley Bassey. <laughs> Shirley Bassey oh, for the shops, I. Um, so anyway, so Shirley Bassey was kind of speaking like that. I mean, it's me being Shirley Bassey, so it's a stretch. Um, and phoned up, and it was a, a guy like that. Hi, Betty Ford Clinic. And I was like... Hello, um, I've got a problem, and I don't know who to speak to. <laughs> and he's like, okay, what's your name? And I said, Shirley, Shirley Bessie. He's like, Shelley? I'm like, Shirley. 
and he didn't know who Shirley Bassey was, so I had to go through all that with him. But anyway, um, <laughs> and then I says to him at one point, I mean, I had him on the phone for ages because, of course, he's wanting me fucking in the clinic. And uh, I says to him, I, I'm not just a singer, I'm a I'm songwriter, I, I make my own music. <laughs> and he's like, okay, Shelley. It's Shirley. Look, okay, Shirley. And I had a, uh, a mouth organ. And the only thing that I could play in the mouth organ was Oh Susanna. So I'm playing, I'm playing Oh Susanna, doing the phone to him in LA. <laughs> And I was, I was saying, I wrote, I wrote another song. I wrote this song, it's called Sorrow. He's like, okay. I was like, this one note. That's beautiful. Because he's wanting the 10 grand a week off me. So, so that, was a, aye, that was a good night. My other favourite, because I've done this, <laughs> uh, pretending to be an old woman and her son. What's that? You are pretending to be an old woman and her son phoning aye, people. Aye, I had um, the sound effects CD. One of the there was, there was loads of different stuff. Wayne's greeting and cars, and but there was like a jungle sound effects as well. Which one of them was a lion? So I turned it up and I phoned. I phoned rent a kill. The twenty four hour emergency line. And and I'm saying to them. I mean, at, at that point, I'm twenty six. I'm saying to them. Hello, there's something in the house. <laughs> the guy's like, calm down, missus, calm down, what's happening? It's in the house. And then this big, roar, lions, roar and everything. He's like, what's your address? And my address, uh, I always said the same thing. I was like, it's number 555 Pink Pink Street. Just <laughs> random pish, and he's writing it down. <laughs> five, five, Pink Pink Street. Yes, yes, come quick. Roar. And then, and then I would pre- like I would pretend to be my son as well, and I'm like, oh, she's talking shit. She's <laughs> she's not took her tablet. Rars coming in. The guy's like, oh, she's wanting us to come. We're, we're on our way. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to need five minutes to recover. I, <laughs> I phoned McDonald's one night, kidding when I was a guy out my face, and that I was looking after my sister's Wayne, and I had the Wayne greeting in the background, and was wanting to say to them. Got uh, Jay, Jay Dulliver milk. And the rain's greeting everyone. It was a young lassie and she didn't know what to do. And the place is hysterical. And anyway, I hung up and then I phoned back a wee bit later and a guy answered and I was like, oh, is this McDonald's? He's like, uh, yes, this is Inspector Blah Blah. They'd fucking got the police in and the police were in McDonald's Fuck. trying to trace it. And I shot it. So I, I, I totally shot it. Um, Oh man, I used to do, I worked in a, a really shitty sales job years ago and uh, you get marked or basically you get judged on like how much time you'd spent on the phone mm. but they were such numbskulls you didn't check who you phoned, just the amount of minutes. So we did that, like I'd phone taxi companies and pretend to be an old guy. Mm. So like as soon as they answered I would start dialing and right. he, every time he tried to talk I would dial. It right. really annoyed him and to begin with he was really patient and all that and I'd be like, hello. One taxi, please. <laughs> so, he, so he'd be like, right, oh, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, right, where are you? And I'm like, I'm in my house. <laughs> so he'd be like, right, okay, patience is starting to wear thin. And he's like, right, okay, where are you going? Asda. <laughs> so he's like, right, but what Asda are you going to? The one that's closest to my house. <laughs> well, it's gone back and forward, right? And he'd lose the plot, and then we'd eventually hang up because we're laughing too much. We'd phone him back, and we always get the same guy. I always, I've told this before, and I keep nearly saying it. It was in, nah, I'm not saying it in case he comes. Oh, no, go on, come on, you're this far in now. Come on, well, Sean. It was in Bishop Briggs, and it rhymes with Schmig Schmars, right? So you can take for that what you will. I never actually said it, but uh, I used to go fucking mental. And then I'd be like, Margaret, Margaret, what's the number? And he's screaming like, your fucking phone, bring it. Like, oh, yeah, I said it. <laughs> that was funny, I enjoyed that. But I'm going to try yours with rent a kill. See, when uh, uh, cold calls come through, I'm dead excited. Or if somebody's, oh, <laughs> uh, if my pal's sitting like, I don't know who that is, I'm like, give me the phone, geez it, I don't, geez it. I don't know if I should tell this, but do you ever get the people that phone you and say, you, you were in a car accident. Aye. aye, aye. See, when they phone me now, I've worked out through trial and error because they hang up eventually when they think they're not making money. And I've worked out through trial and error what to say. But every time they phone up, you, you know, you were in a car crash. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was in a car crash, yeah. And they're like, right, okay, was it bad? Oh, fuck, broken legs, collarbones, aye. multiple injuries, both cars written off. 
And then, like, right, you hear the wee guy getting excited, and then we'll kind of go through other things. And he's like, so what, what actually happened? And I'll say, I'll be like, well, two vehicle collision and four people take to hospital, blah, 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 all these things. And he's like, oh, the compensation for us is going to be huge. So I'll let him go through it all and type it up. And then I go, that's mental, that. I didn't think that would work that way. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, that's just amazing that I'm getting this money. And he's like, yeah, why is it amazing? And I'm like, well, I was fucking steaming when I was driving and hit him. <laughs> <laughs> and I always go, sorry, what? Sorry, I thought you said you were drunk. Aye, <laughs> I, I was paralyzed. I'd been out for ages. Like, uh, and they always hang up. But sometimes they go, you're a real sad act. I'm like, what, as opposed to you trying to con me out of fucking money? And one of them had phoned and says, um, it's just, we, we believe you've had an accident. And I says, uh, how did you know that? <laughs> And she said, well, we have, docu- we have documentation, whatever it was she said. And I said, well, I did have an accident. And she said, yes, that's right. So where was that? And I said, on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I made it up as an old woman that had pissed myself. Uh. <laughs> and I didn't know, did my son tell you that? I told him that in confidence. He's about to get me pads. <laughs> and I can get money for this. I saw a day or day. I don't work anywhere. <laughs> I need to move on. I'm going to just keep talking about this for ages. Um, there, there's wee things that can happen in life. Wee sort of serendipitous sliding doors moments. Mm. One for you, which you can you can look at the whole trajectory of your life and trace it back to this one thing. When you bumped into your old pal for school in '97, when he was just back for the comedy unit aye, aye, uh, for an audition. Right. I, um, I was working in the pub that I did the phone calls in and uh, I'd went in to drop something off and it, it, was, it was the beginning of December, it was a Tuesday afternoon or something, never been in the pub at that time, it was, it was a basement bar, it was just under uh, Queen Street Station, it was called Sadie Frost's and went in and somebody said, Cam, and I was looking about and I could, couldn't see anybody and I was like, I went to go back out and it's like, Cam? And it was a, a guy that I had been to school with and he'd, he'd been heavy and he'd lost loads of weight. They hardly recognised him. I says, what are you doing here? He says, I'm just in for a pint before I get my train back. He says, one of my pals has been for an audition at the comedy unit. And I kept thinking, Camden Bard should go and do that. I says to him, I wouldn't even fucking know what to do at an audition. I mean, I'd no training. I'd, no, I'd never been to an audition or anything. But by that time, I had been, I was running my own business. So I was out five nights a week doing pub, pub and club entertainment. I was DJing, I was hosting the karaoke, and I was doing the quiz and the phone and everything. And he'd occasionally came to that. Um, and so for that, I went home, I phoned again. This will be a bit like reference like shops. I phoned 192, which was directory inquiries. And do you remember? One, yeah, 192, yeah! Remember it? <laughs> Is it like an early 118? <laughs> That's exactly what there it was like, aye. Um, and got the number for the comedy unit, phoned them, and was like, hi, uh, I use a day in auditions. And they were like, yes, that's right. I said, I'd like one. <laughs> and they said, we've only got one left on Thursday at two o'clock. Can you make that? And I was like, aye, all right. This was the Tuesday. I had no idea what I was going to do at all. Never been for an audition. And I think that worked for me. So what I did was I wrote out the stuff that I had done, but I wrote it funny, which I now know is called a script. <laughs> and I dressed up as an old woman and kid at own, I was her, which I now know is called acting. I mean, that's <laughs> all it is, do you know? Folk like that, I can't be, I couldn't be a writer, I wouldn't know how to do it. I pen a bit of paper and write the stuff down, um, uh, or I wouldn't know how to act. Like, kid own, you're somebody else. Fuck, I've been doing that for long enough anyway, so... <laughs> in, fact, in fact, I was trained into it, do you know, when I was a wean, so... Oh, deprofiles. Oh, that's a shame. Um, Nobody's <laughs> child. Well, a lot of people, a lot of people don't realise. So that was for you get placed in tune of that. But it, for, it was two seasons, or was it two years or two seasons of a radio show before it was commissioned for TV? It was. I mean, when I went for that audition, I did. I went and dressed up. It was like flash dance, the flash dance audition with us folks sitting. It was Colin Gilbert, who had, who was the head of the comedy unit, who made tune of that. But he'd been. He was the director and the producer on Rab C. Nesbitt. I didn't know him for a hole in the wall. He looked like Santa to me, big white beard and everything. Um, April Chamberlain, who was one of the heads of the comedy unit, and Ian Patterson, who wrote Rab C. Nesbitt. Yes! Don't clap yourself, though. Somebody will throw you a fish. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's an old karaoke patter there for me, sorry. Um, 
and, and uh, Colin was like that. So uh, you are Karen and Barnum sitting with a heat scarf on and a penny and everything. And I says, no, my name's Agnes. Do you know, kid knowing I'm an old woman, so. Uh, and can, can he make it? I'm here to tell you about her. Um, and he was like, oh, okay, Agnes, uh, tell us about Carmen. So I went into that patter, and they, they just hardly even looked at me, apart from a bit fear. I think they were a bit fear, because I think they did folk coming in saying, uh, and I'm going to perform this piece from blah, blah, blah. So I wasn't doing that. And uh, at the end, it Colin says, well, thanks very much for coming in. He says, we're, right, we're doing a radio show called Chewing the Fat. If you want to submit any sketches to it, you can... I had no idea what he was talking about. And I thought I would never hear from him again, but they phoned me the next day and says, come in. And mm. they had a chat with him and then they put me in the radio show. I mean... Yeah. <coughs> it's a brilliant story. Uh, you'll, have, um, you'll have spoken about, obviously, everybody knows about the success of the show and, you know, it's still on TV. Everybody still loves it. I still quote it. When that did become this massive success and people would be recognising you everywhere you went, shouting stuff at you, like catchphrases, did that fill any wee hole in you? Ooh. Oh, fuck's sake. Ooh. <coughs> Ooh. It's like, past the watershed, the back, the front. Do you know, uh... can I just say, <laughs> that puts me in mind. See, the other day, somebody <laughs> asked me what a double entendre was, so I filled her in. Hey, uh... did you gear one? Hey. There we go. Uh, no, but, but was that, did you feel like there was, something was, like, healed? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, it's interesting, like, what that, what that actual question is, because I can feel like I could go two ways with that, Sean, but so whatever that, that space is, right, that hole in the soul, that no feeling that you fit in, I want to talk for myself, no feeling that I fit in, I think, I think the success and this is in no way sounding ungrateful, but I think success took me further away from that mm. because it started me thinking that I was fucking somebody that I was, somebody else that I was, not mm. no. <laughs> Do you know? So now when folk, and folk are, the 99% of people that have ever spoke to me uh, uh, since I've been on the telly have been complimentary. I'm no kidding you. I couldn't ask for more than that. Um, when folks say, does that no bother you? I'm like, ah. folk are coming up and going, I love you. I love you. <laughs> So, what's, I mean, the problem is, is when I'm sitting with my pal, she just split up with her boyfriend, she's rolling and greeting, and somebody comes in the front and goes, I love you! And I'm like, give me a wee second here. So it's just, Jean's upset. Jean! Um, so, but I think, so I think in some ways that took me further away. And Dan, you spoke about, like, the ego that's involved in that. And in some ways, I was lucky because I had a really good grounding with my pals, like Lee and Sarah. Yeah. And with the pub as well, because I was still I was still hosting the karaoke when Chewing the Fat was on. So I would be, I remember being in one night, there was an old telly, the, the, the uh, lyrics come up on for the karaoke, and I was like that, folk, in the pub, I was like that. <gasps> what time is it? Fucking did that with the telly and turned it on to BBC One, and I was on. And I was like that, this is mental. I mean, that's what it was like Aye. for me. And in the pub, they were like that. Aye, all right, you're on the telly, but Jinty's up singing next, so come on. So in some ways that was a good grounding, but it's dead hard not to believe your own press. Mm -hmm. And just what you say is folk that would normally, wouldn't have looked the road I was on, were suddenly like that. <gasps> Hi! And I'm like, mm, I remember you in the shop that time. And, uh, I'm like, and then I have to go, hello, as well. And you, you don't really get to confront that. Why are you treating me like this new when a yeah. fortnight ago, before that had started, you wouldn't have looked the road I was on. Mm. It's dead hard. Mm. And that's not poor me. I mean, everybody's got to go through that. And whatever, it, doesn't, it doesn't need fame to do that. Fuck, it doesn't take much to get fame now in terms of, like, Insta-fame. And mm. anyway, I'm laughing, man. Well, see, Bring me see, back. See, can, like, see, saying that, they'll be coming somebody else that you were on. So I, I watched your TED Talk mm. quite a few times, and then you spoke about it. You said that you you were just becoming somebody that you didn't like and it was kind of spiralling and spiralling until somebody sent you an, on, an anonymous letter, which must have really caused oh, it you terrible. to reflect. Oh, um, it was, I was uh, in the pub in Edinburgh. I worked in, I'd been working there for five years and I did, I did the Friday, Saturday, Sunday in there, so it was big nights. And I'd got a letter and it said, um, basically it says, I've been following you for years. I've been through to Glasgow to see you. I've always thought you were great and kind of, not a champion of the cause, but I was one of the very few sort of openly gay out there in the, this is the mid-90s and that, mm. with any, I'm going to say level of profile, I wasn't on the telly at that point, but well-known. 
because um, folk are like, ah, when did you come out? And I was like, ah, I was never really in, so it's hard to come out when you've not been in. But um, this is but the way you've been talking to people. Um, I mean, I'm paraphrasing it here, but the way you've been talking to people, I'll not be back. And when you turned on me recently, so they didn't even say like last week, so I couldn't place when it was or anything. Um, I'll just, I'll not be back. Don't know what year, who you've turned into, but I'm watching you going, and I was like, fucking hell, because it was true. That was the point. I knew it inside of myself. I knew I was off the rails. I couldn't seem to stop myself. And I, I still had a bit in my head trying to justify it. Ah, they can't take a joke. I know that pish that I'll talk about myself, that I can tell myself. I can see a problem. But seeing my gut, I was like, ah, yeah. And I couldn't get back. So I'll be forever grateful for them because it fucking was the beginning mm. of something okay. for me. A real... You better screw the nut. Which is why, at the start of our conversation, I brought up Lee and Sarah. Like, are these two people that you then anchor yourself to because, like, they know the real me? Because everybody's susceptible to change, and I think we all evolve not always in a positive manner mm. with things that happen to us or experiences that we have. Or, like you said in your, your TED talk, and I quoted it earlier, hurt people hurt people. Aye, aye. And, you know, you don't, you, you're only human, and it, you don't always evolve in a positive way. But is that, do you then attach yourself to them and think, no, attach yourself and think, help me out of this? Well, I, I mean, they're two folk that would definitely be kind of grounding for me, touchstones, uh, sounds a bit, again, arsey, but who am? Because they're probably no better than me. It's just dead hard to self-reflect. Um, but I've got, I'm very, very fortunate with a handful of folk in my life that will no co-sign my bullshit. Yeah. Do you know? So... One of them's in the night. I'm drawing a dirty look. Uh, because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, ah, you don't know what I'm talking about. And actually, I'm like, ah, I think that the problem is the day, or Aye. the challenge is the day, and they'll call me out on that. It's essential, isn't it? You're probably the same, Darren, as well. But you need people around you that, like, I've got a handful of people that don't subscribe to my bullshit, of which there is plenty. And um, will tell me things I don't want to hear, and we'll argue about it, and I'll be like, you're a prick and you're wrong. And then I'll go back, my tail's between my legs, and go, I'm really sorry, you're right. And I need to kind of grow up a wee bit. I, I mean, my, my experience was, I'm just dead interested in hearing this side of your career as well, to be honest, you know what I mean? Um, uh, <clears throat> I found um, I found that when I, when I had my success, while I was prepared for it to some extent, because I'd been working very hard for years, there was, a set of, there was some suddenness about it, because it, it went via London. Mm. So it was via London. And then when London, it happens in London, that's when you have the moment in Scotland where everybody does the 180. Because mm. it's like, oh, London's called. Oh, he must be something. Do you know mm. what I mean? So what happened with me was I changed social class overnight. Mm. Right? My financial situation changed. Uh, I had an accountant, an agent. Uh, I was surrounded by people at events like this. And I, I basically, I forgot how to talk to people where I come from. About things because when people would come up to me and ask me, How are you? What have you been up to? I'd been up to all these amazing things that people don't get the chance today. And I always felt like if I told people that, I would be blowing my own trumpet. Mm. And so I kept it all to myself. But actually, it was a nightmare. Mm. It was so busy. And I said I to everything because I thought this isn't going to last. And like, I honestly mm. became so dislocated for reality that I ended up in fucking rehab. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, that's what I ended up for four weeks at the tail end of 2019. And so I'm just like really tuning into what you're mm. saying because it's weird, like, I didn't have anybody to talk to on that level about certain things that you can relate to because you both have that experience because when you're just talking to your normal right. mate who's on fucking universal credit or got esophageal cancer or something like that and, and your problem is... I had a really difficult conversation with an accountant that I don't know how to handle my money. Aye. Do you know what I mean? Totally. And it's like, it's just, you don't know who to fucking talk to. Do you know what I mean? So it's a weird isolating experience mm. as much as you're very grateful to have that as your problem rather than some of the Aye. previous problems that you had. Karen, do you, mm. looking back, with that letter and stuff would have been quite painful to reflect on, but do you look back on that and think it was a necessary and, and beneficial pain because it then straightens you, so to speak? Well... I I don't know if I would say I was straight. <laughs> um, Conversion it therapy. A, I, it was a, a podcast. It, on it that? was part of a catalyst, but it was all coming to a heat. This is a fortune of fat or anything like that. Mm. Um, this is um, it's not that long before it, but it was about a year before it. So I don't know where I would have been if I hadn't had that kind of wake mm -hmm. up call when I'd went into the audition and how it would have been after that. But anyway, um, 
So, aye, it was uh, a, a struggle with phrases like that, which does not kill us, makes us stronger, because as much as I, it's useful in some ways, you know, I was talking to my partners, what's that term, toxic positivity, aye. you know, that, so there's sometimes, assist to my partners, for instance, if, you're, if you say to somebody, oh, my family's been wiped out in a terrible accident, and they're like that, well, uh, <laughs> let's money start at with that, so, and, well, don't cry because they're gone. Smile because it happened. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I try, I try not to be too heavy on that. Well, it didn't kill me. So it made me, because uh, I, was, I was watching some, I'm an avid fucking TikTok watcher. I don't really have much of a life, by the way. Don't let these natty garbs fool you. <laughs> Head to toe in Marks and Spencers thinking I've made it, right? Uh, <laughs> So in one of my five-hour TikTok stints, uh, I was watching watching somebody saying, I fucking can't remember what it was that they said now, because I just get all excited that I've got my new Marks and Spencer's clothes on. It's lovely, isn't it? I think that lime green really answers me. <laughs> Need to ask me a question now and bring me back to reality. I'll bring you back to reality. Um, you, you were working in, was that eight years of chewing the fat and the Karen Dunbar aye, show? Aye. I'm really interested, you, you, you've done panto and stuff, but I'm really interested in how... Hey! <laughs> I'm interested in how I you... I love the panto! <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so carry you, on. Not, not a fan? Ooh, 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 that's a, that's a twist, we weren't expecting that. Go on, carry on. But we'll move on to, I want to talk about theatre, because I think it's amazing, you've ended up um, working in the National Theatre, Perth Theatre, you've been in Shakespeare, you've been working in Shakespearean productions in both New York and London, that... It, when you get to it, because anybody, I don't care who you are, if you get relocated to New York or to London, you must be having a wee pinch me moment because you've not had any formal theatre training, have you? Uh, uh, well, uh, no. So, uh, wait, uh, no. <laughs> uh, really? You've not had any formal theatre? No, haven't I? No. Who <laughs> uh, the schemes? Bought my own teeth out of the shop. Well, there was shops at that time. You could go to shops and that. Uh, <laughs> So no, no, no formal training. Uh, <laughs> so even that, you know, what Dan was talking about again there, to be moving, same moving in these circles sounds again, dead arty-farty. I mean, I remember being at a, a, um, a big do in Edinburgh Castle. Uh, it was for the Prince's Trust. I know I'm going to have one here, but it's an example of that. The Prince's Trust and Lady Humney Numney was there and somebody blah, blah, blah. And I had my good suit on and, uh, you know, that kind of... And the awkwardness I felt mm. was, uh, could I rip my skin off? Uh, and <laughs> and I'm, embar I, I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I'm fucking ashamed. So it was yeah. double and doing. <laughs> and there's a wee guy that's been doing the Prince's Trust thing and been living on the street and he's talking to Lady Humningham with her stuff on. And I kind of come into the conversation and she's saying to him, well, you've, you've done wonderfully, wonderfully well. And I th in my head, I'm like, who's she fucking talking to? <laughs> the wee guy's like, ah, thanks very much. And, and I'm in the middle of it. I want to start defending him. Mm. So I start talking. I mean, I'm talking to use the way I'm talking. This is how I talk, right? So um, I start talking even... Of a, I don't know how else to put this other than a lower class than I actually am. <laughs> and I'm low enough. And I'm like, that to you. Aye, I come up half the streets and all <laughs> with my fucking Burberry suit on and everything. And she's like, oh, did you? And the wee guy was affronted for me now. Aye, fucking no carpets. No, and that's not true. We had a carpet. We had it for 40 years, but nonetheless, it was there. <laughs> so, uh, do you know, all that confusion, I, mean, you're, um, I suppose I'm kind of going back to that, who you really are. I fucking still don't know. I don't believe there's any such thing as the fixed self yeah. anyway. So the idea that I'm trying to find myself, I'm like, ah, good luck with that. Good luck, because <laughs> once you... Anytime I've thought I've fun at whatever my cell is, it's like, mm. and away it goes again, and I'm something else. Yeah. It's, uh, 
you have um, said before, you said I don't really pursue things, I just wait and see what happens and it's turned out no bad. That kind of encapsulates everything you've just said there. Aye, but part of that is a bit of a front because I have pursued things and I've been devastated when I haven't had them. So, and I'm just being, uh, probably, I don't know if I'm being too honest or one of the things I'm lying later on like that. Can't believe when he mentioned the panto, I started falling asleep and fucking... <laughs> Because I've got a, I've got a byline that I've put out for so long, and that doesn't mean that everything's been false, but it does mean that for an awful lot of the time, I'm starting. The older I'm getting, the less I care, and that doesn't mean that I don't care. It just means that the level of attachment that I had to what folk thought, I'm like, ah, I'm fucking too old and too tired to get caught up in this, which is a lovely place to be, mm. but it's an agonising place to get to. Mm. Do you know it is? And I'm no free yet, but I'm much freer than I used to be. I mean, before, I wouldn't have fucking dreamed of going out with my hair like this. Do you look at my hair? I washed it, and I'm like, ah, that's fine. If they don't like it, you can shove it up their ass. You probably couldn't, because there's a lot to fit in. But, um, so, and, <laughs> but in trying to, like, I, I can't try and get to that place. It's kind of got to come mm. left field, and you're like, ah, oh, I'm knackered. My head's knackered, we try to work this out. Mm. Um, so there have been times where I have st strived for things, no go at them, been bitterly disappointed. My whole fucking being's called into question. I mean, seriously, that's the kind of stuff that goes through my head. Mm. But in, in most interviews, there's a kind of, you might put the positive spin on, and I'll just tell you exactly what's happening, because you don't know who's reading it, and you don't know what you might get out of it. And see that level of attachment, that's what's caused the stress. Mm. I mean, the idea that... And I've been thinking about this recently, um, about the idea that I need to make more money. And there's something coming in at the back of this. Please don't pick me up, Brian, in this at all. There's something coming in at the back of that going, why? Mm. And I'm like, because... Because <laughs> I need to. Mm. Why is that? And I'm like, because to pay for things. Things. It's like, what hangs, Cam? This is, uh, this is what's happening in my head after TikTok. What hangs is it? My rent, not. My rent and fid. Fid. <laughs> fid out the shops. Right? Like, and that hang comes in saying, what is it you need right now that you need to have this stress to make more money for? And I don't know where I'm going with that. I don't know if I'm going to cast my Max and Spencer's garb aside and put on saffron robes and just fucking walk north or something. I don't know. But to, to start questioning that idea that I've been entrenched in for when I was away, mm. need to make money, it's Aye. like, See, why? I, d Aye. I don't want to get too... And that's maybe easy for me to say because I'm no skint. I'm Aye. no rich, but I'm no skint, so I am well aware of that. Without getting too Freudian or amateur oh, psychologist about but um, when you're saying that there's just something in you, like maybe as a kid growing up without too much money, and as a child, you sort of associate people who have got stuff with stability and security, and maybe it's just this wee unresolved child conf like conflict that's been there since childhood, where you're thinking, if I've got more money, I've got more stability and more security. I mean, you can relate to that, about make more money and things will be safer and they'll be sturdier. I mean, it's the, it's the kind of... I, I, I think about some of the crazy things that I've done, what drove me to... To the kind of success that I've had, it wasn't it all just about I've got a message for the working class. It was maybe some, maybe I'll be loved. Do you know what I mean? Maybe I'll feel loved. You know, maybe I'll be attractive, uh, an attractive prospect for somebody, or that even the, the person that I'm with, maybe they'll love me more. Maybe they'll fancy me more. Do you know what I mean? So there's always a kind of deeper level to it. Um, and and what I realised was that. I was just a wee skinny Jake Ball when my now wife met me. So she's no interested in those things. Aye. I mean, maybe you want to get a fucking therapy session with her to ask why she was interested in <laughs> the previous iteration of me. But either way, like, I'm, I'm sometimes, I'm out there, I'm busting my arse in the gym, I'm fucking doing all these different things because I'm coming home, really, because I just want a reaction out of her. That's it. Mm. Right? And, and uh, but she doesn't see me like that. Do you know what I mean? And I have to get accept that and one of the things was the money you know what I mean I remember when the first money started coming and it just comes in everywhere because everybody's like what job did you ever want what other job did you ever want there's all the jobs you ever wanted right. go right so you're gone fucking four careers telly books musician the fringe and the next thing you know like you just think you've got loads of money so you're just like that 
you're making everybody around you comfortable, uh, you're taking your wife to New York, you're going to King Suite in the hotel and doing all the nice things that you would do, right? But the thing is, man, it's a mood and mind-altering drug for me as well. Mm. And the best thing that could have happened to me was no being careful with it and realising how quickly yeah. things can change. Because one minute you think you're doing great because you've got no financial education. Mm. And then the next minute you have the phone call with the accountant and they're like, right, okay, here's the situation. Don't worry, but it's going to take you a while to sort this right. out. And so it's, it's really that, man. And I think it's not just what if you come from poverty, because one thing I've learned about moving social classes is you just expand your lifestyle. So you're always dealing with uh, financial insecurity. Why do you think billionaires want to buy another yacht? Why do you think they want to acquire more wealth? They're in a social circle where Bill Gates is comparing himself to the guy that runs that other big enterprise. And they're like, well, he's got five yachts and I've got that. Mm -hmm. And any kind of and any contraction in the income feels like you're going to lose it all. Mm -hmm. So it must be even more intense for people who look like they've got everything. Because uh, it's drilled into our economic system, do you know what I mean? We're all supposed to have that fear. We're all supposed to want to acquire more because that's the way we, we, we've structured our society. I know that's hilarious. It's Karen's jokes. No, I, was, <laughs> I was waiting though. for a punchline there. I thought you were going to, thought you were going to bail me out. I was no, like, I, was doing the, I was doing the sage nodding. <laughs> <laughs> Preach, sister. <laughs> <laughs> It's true, though. It's completely true. Karen, you, um, you know, for doing karaoke to then, you know, pant, like, chewing the fat and carrying the bar show. <laughs> I'm not going to say that, that word again, but theatre. So you, you tend to kind of just jump into things based on whether you enjoy it or whether you want it. And DJing, I'm really interested. I didn't know you were you're DJing at Oran Moore in December. <laughs> aye, aye. I'm going to DJ at Oran Moore on the 30th of December this year. And I'm shiting myself about it. Is this it. your first ever? No, no, I was a DJ for seven years. No, I so. know, but I wasn't sure, like, just proper mixing music and all that. Aye. Um, no, I was a mixing DJ, right, right, so okay. I was very professional as a club <laughs> DJ, you know. I wasn't like, okay, everybody, it's Jinty's birthday. <laughs> Time for the Nolans. <laughs> it wasn't that. I was like, <laughs> um, but, and I was just saying earlier, so I've put it out on Twitter and I haven't tweeted for ages. Loads of reasons for that, blah, blah, blah. But the point is, I just, uh, like, so somebody else operates my social media thing, which sounds awfully arty-farty, airy-fairy. It's not really. It's fucking me. <laughs> it's me that does it, and I don't want to say that I'm looking at other folks' stuff, so that way I don't need to reply. And I can't believe I've said that one in public. Five hundred quid and I'll take it, it out. I'm struggling with no telling the truth now. Uh, so that is that is the exact truth. And I'm probably not the only person that's doing that, but I might be one of the few that's saying it. Anyway, that uh, sounds arrogant there. What's my point in that is I'm struggling to go back on Twitter to promote this night. I want it to be a good night. I want it to sell. I want it to be busy. Thank you. That you can clamp for. She's like, yes! A good night. I'm clapping for a good night. What is it again? <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's just good and it's a night. <laughs> Shall I the motor? What was that clapping? What was that? Um, but I'm struggling to go on it because I struggle to inter I struggle to interact with people. I struggle to know when to draw the line. Mm. I mean, the, one of the reasons I come off Twitter was because I couldn't manage it because I fucking followed everybody that followed me. <laughs> so I've got 20,000 followers and I'm following 19,000 folks. Some of them are paedophiles. I didn't know that. So <laughs> folk are fucking DMing me going, he's a nonce. And I'm like, ah, who? I don't even know what I've done. <laughs> so, so I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with this. But that's the truth. So I uh, take that away from me. But I need to try and use oh. it to promote as well. So I'm all over the place where and now I'm starting to think now that I've said I'm doing this night. Like, I don't fucking want him to come. I don't care if they come or no, I'll just DJ to myself because I'm fearing. <laughs> I mean, I was I was nearly missing cues on stage because I'm I'm replying back to Senga and Dumbarton. It's just like, I loved that sketch where you fell down the stair and I'm like, ah, LOL, Senga, thanks. But fuck's sake, I should be on the stage. <laughs> All or nothing. So, I, I don't know if that answered the question. don't know if there was a question. Not don't really, even know if I'm way funny, back up the so. road now. This is a dream. Um, just as we kind of round up, you've got an upcoming documentary, The Comedy of Offence. Aye, aye. Uh, uh, right. So I started, during the, during the lockdown, I started doing hip-hop workshops on Zoom 
I know you're, uh, nobody's surprised at that, because <laughs> that's exactly what you thought we'd have did after Shakespeare. Um, and that's a long story, and time-wise, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they really took off, and actually I'm looking at making that another whole other business, because I fucking love it. See what I'm going to want with folk in the communities, and that all sounds like a strap line, like what I should say, but I actually do love it. Um, anyway, I uh, can't remember what was pointing that list now. Perimenopausal. Can any you know remember what, like? what we were talking you know about? Like? <laughs> well, how dare you? I'm 13. But I asked you about your, your documentary that's coming up, The Comedy Aye. of Offence. So, I was, doing, I was doing this workshop with a group of, wait for it, LGBTQIA plus elders, right? So I said, Jesus, I can't handle any more colours in the rainbow tonight, Jim, I really <laughs> can't. So, anyway, as this group of folk were doing the workshop, and I said to somebody, I, I says, the LGB, and I says, I can't remember all the letters. And one of the participants said, neither can I. I says, I know, sometimes I just say the gays. And another one of the participants said, I'm offended by that term. And I was like, ah. Huh? He says, I'm offended by that term. I said, the gays? He said, uh-huh. I says, I'm a gay. <laughs> It's like just one word, didn't it? I'm a gay. <laughs> um, and he said, I know. He says, but and we went into this conversation. I came out of it and I thought, I fucking don't know what to say anymore that isn't offensive. Mm. And I actually meant that fair place in myself. Whether it was working or no, it's like, I'm, anytime I'm opening my mouth, I'm like, ah, I don't know if that's all right. And so when it was that, I, 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 anyway, I, I basically had a, a chat with him at um, BBC and says to him, I would like to make a programme about this. So that's what it's about. It's me walking about going, I don't know what to say anymore that isn't offensive. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Because it's not going to, it's going to culminate. It will be. It's going to culminate. Is it going to culminate in you creating a show which basically doesn't piss anybody off a comedy Ach, show? No, or? I mean, we've recorded that. I was meant to be doing stand-up. I hate doing stand-up. Mm. I don't like it. I don't feel comfortable with it. I feel comfortable hosting. I've never I've never really done... The first stand-up I did was at the Kings. Mm. And it was sell out because of the... Uh, they sell to, they could put it on at the Kings and mm. sell it out in the back mm. of the success of Chewing the Fat. Mm. And I'm doing stand-up. And I had never done stand-up. I'd done years of hosting, years of patter, but no actual stand-up like that. So I was totally out on a limb, so I don't like doing it. See, so come and see it. <laughs> <laughs> come and see me being pissed. I'm, I'm seem to be no bad at it, but I'm, the, the nerves on it, it's, oh, it's terrible. Mm, I'd, why would you do that to yourself? You said it's a form of self-harm. And I'm like, I is for that and fucking validation and money. Oh, God. This is terrible. <laughs> Stop me talking. Not to, not, to spend, not to spend too much time on it, but with the offence thing, see when people say that, I'm offended. And it's, this, it's got so many connotations now, but I feel like because now we all have a, a visible, audible voice, whether it's through YouTube, podcast, Twitter and stuff, we think because we can be heard that we must then be heard. And sometimes, you're, a lot of times it's valid. A lot of times it's like, well, we can have a conversation, but other times you're like, can't you just fuck off? Like, nobody... Nobody's bothered. Right. Like you can't, you don't get to just fling that card out of time. There's uh, a lot of stuff that pisses me off, but I don't have a right to go. Out. You can't say X, Y, Z. One of the best counteracts to somebody saying I'm offended is just to say I'm offended. You're offended, uh, and then he's a fucking yeah. beef offended. Yeah, I, 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 so what are we going to do about that? I think there's a kind of there's a youth culture aspect to it, right? Depending on your kind of education and class, then your your antisocial youth behaviour will look different, right? <clears throat> so. So students that go to Ivy League universities, they're offended and they get in your face about that. And students that don't go, people that don't go to university, they hang about in the street corner and they go, yeah, you, you fucking bam. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're causing a level of disruption in everybody's life and they'll grow out of it. And some of them might retain some of those characteristics because that's genuinely who they are. So I always tread carefully with it. Because I think it does kind of, it's, it's where kind of a youth culture and idealism and then social media meets. One of the things I fear, mm. one of the things I fear is that because I got a bit pissed off with what I think I'm seeing, what so, my algorithm's showing me, I then end up going down a rabbit hole. Because what, what, that's kind of how it happens. You get captured, you know, you get mm -hmm. captured almost, then you start making content about it and making comments about it and you get likes, so you keep doing it. And it's mm. just like, Fresh it's just mo it. most of the stuff I think just gets blown out of proportion, you know. I people need to be a be bit more thick skinned in life generally, but I'm saying that for a position of only my own experience, so I don't know what other cunts mm -hmm. have gone through. <laughs> Sorry to call you a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Very much the same as Darren. I could sit and do this all night. I'm conscious of time. Uh, I want to give you an, uh, an opportunity. If there's anybody that's got any questions you'd like to put to Please, Darren that woman down the front in the leopard Darren. skin. You've got to have a question. Or are you just having a wee uh, nap we, now? Have we got any dates want to ask any questions? I didn't questions? know you were talking to me. This is tiger skin. Uh, <laughs> down the front here. Can we have a mic down the front? Or just shout it. Oh. Oh. All right, OK. I can hear you. Can... Oh. Where's my grandpa tonight? He keeps... Listen, I know. He, 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 he. Right, okay. I, for anybody that doesn't know, me and my grandpa are very close. We kind of go for coffee and lunch and all that. But he's, uh, he just kept saying, what's that thing you're doing next week? And I was like, live show. And he's like, right, okay. And then I, I was backstage. Then um, I had a missed call film and I phoned him. And I was just like, all right, what are you up to? And he's like, oh, nothing. I was at Bertie Old's thing the other day. What are you up to? And I was like, oh, he's, he's rest in peace, Bertie Old. Um, but he had no idea that I was here, to be honest. And he's like, all right, that's good. So I was... Oh, no, I'm uh, trying not to be too offended that when you said any questions, somebody down the front's like, Sean, where's your granddad? <laughs> 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 my whole fucking heart out in front of you is my psyche. <laughs> my hopes, my fears. I was adopted by my granny and grandpa. <laughs> where's your grandpa? But you knew he was your grandpa, didn't you, Sean? So you don't have any, like, psychological baggage. Because you just go on and that. You didn't think he was your father or anything, did you? Who is it? She'd say it again. Taxi! <laughs> so I'm, but I'm all right. <laughs> I don't know how to dig you to that holder, but I'll tell him. I'll Still tell him talk to him about his grandpa. I'm fucking right. chopped liver. Uh, it's like some nice, it's like the Labour Club in the 1980s, isn't it? <laughs> Karen's bared her heart and soul. Do we have any other questions, Andy? It's in the front here. I don't know whether to jump in and save this oh last year. No, There's a woman down the front who says, I've not got a question, but I would like to point out a wee guest to you the night, Steve. And then she's pointed to a guy with a stripy jumper and a hat on who doesn't know what she's talking about in the second row. <laughs> That's what's happening for the other folk. I need, to, I need to try and keep myself composed, but it's one of my very, very close pals. And um, not really my place to speak, but has had some very good news after a very few tough years. And I'm stunned he's here. Good. For Barcelona, he's come. Steve, what's happening, mate? I can't believe that. I'm absolutely fucking speechless at that. I'm I just waiting on your granda being lowered down <laughs> to the fucking ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got a wee perspex box? <laughs> Sorry, this is going to be terrible for people to just listen to the audio because there's just 40 <laughs> seconds of me being utterly fucking speechless. I really can't believe it. So glad you're here, mate. Um, Does MD have MD any fucking questions for me? <laughs> <laughs> Before I have an accident on this couch. <laughs> There's somebody up the... Hi, a person up the back. There it's probably go, my mom finally. if I fucking knew who that was. Karen, my darling. Hi, hi, me. Oh, yes, <laughs> hi. What can I say to you? Karen, darling, why did you yawn when Sean asked you about the panto? About the panto. Well, there you go. It's no that I don't like that. I, do, I actually do love doing the panto as the thing, but as one of my pals says recently, they love the job, but they hate all the stuff that goes around about it. Yeah. And so, and that's not just about the panto. That is about sometimes being in this business, as with most businesses as well that you've got today, where all the PR is around about it. That's that's not about meeting um, meeting punters and stuff like that. That's nothing to do with that at all. It's the hype that goes around about it. And sometimes I, I get tired making out that I fucking love everything all the time. Mm. When uh, I, I do really enjoy it, but there's other aspects to it that I think I better not talk about that because it's no good PR. That's the truth. But also Can I just say that you were fucking fantastic and I, oh, I refuse to go back to Panto until you're back in it. And oh. also my favourite sketch from Tune the Fat is when you are in the ice cream van. Oh, thank, right. you. <laughs> thank you. Would you like me reenact it? No. Uh, Darren and, and has to shoot Darren's off. Like, I am. I'm out here. Damn thanks. Darren, thanks, mate. <laughs> thank you. Prior commitments, kids. Was that? He's got to get the kids. All right. I thought you says he's a kiss, and I was like, ah. um, I don't think so. Uh, let me have a look at you. <laughs> 
Because what is sexuality, ladies and gentlemen? How do we know that, ladies and gentlemen? And anybody else in between that I might have offended if I've just fucking discounted them to there? Uh, I'm getting conscious that we're kind of running out of time. Aye, is there anything else? Look at that woman there with her coat on her. <laughs> I know. She's you must be freezing when you get her next Her one. legs wrapped in herself like a sheep shank notch. Can I get a heat in me, Jim? I mean, I'm enjoying it and that, but pff, get up the road and get Netflix on, get into my onesie. Is... As, you're, as we're rounding up, are you just going up the road because you actually like to just get up the road and get Netflix on these days? I've heard you saying that. Or is that an old lie? I don't... Um, that's, uh, it's partly true. One of the things I've been doing recently is, is DJing in the house. I don't know if that's sad or no, but it, what it does is it conce- like I can concentrate on some for an hour that isn't like just chewing gum for the mind because I don't know about anybody else. It was bad enough before, but see, during the pandemic, it's just fucking so easy to just phone something in to eat, put that on, shut the curtains, and there's a real danger in that. I think we're in danger of mutating into a totally different species if we don't put an end to that. Mm. So I'm trying not to do that, but at the same time, I'll probably go up the road and watch Shit's Creek. <laughs> Big fan. Can't argue with that. Well, can we please have a round of applause for my amazing guest, Karen Dunbar? Just behave, you. And Come one on, in you. Darren's absence as well. It's been great. And all I've got left to say is, I've been Sean McDonald. This has been Blethered, and thanks very much for coming. information on the Blethered podcast, go to thebiglight.com forward slash blethered.